Welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast channel, working with communities, staff and partners to provide positive outcomes. Welcome to Darlington Extra podcast channel. My name's Brooke Hodgkiss and I'm the Academy Coordinator for Darlington Borough Council. Welcome to episode three of our trauma-informed series. So this is around trauma in childhood. We'll start with some introductions. Hi, I'm Sophie Newton. I am an education officer at Darlington Virtual School. So basically, um, my role is to oversee the education of all children who are care experienced in Darlington, and I sit in the education team. Hi, my name's Kirsty Macmillan. I'm an early years advisory teacher with the Education Partnerships team, and it's my job to support quality across the early years sector. I'm also an adoptive parent to two children. Hi, my name's Lisa Davison and I'm a newly qualified social worker in the Children with Disabilities team in Darlington. Oh, lovely. Thank you. In episode two, we spoke about trauma being from either a one-off event or over a period of time. But how early could trauma start? Sophie, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so trauma can happen in utero um, in pregnancy, actually, Brooke. So sometimes there's a misconception around um, children who have maybe experienced trauma very early in their lives or through pregnancy. Um, there's a misconception that those children can't remember those experiences and therefore um, that that trauma isn't relevant. But actually what we know is that um, if... In, if the pregnant person experiences high levels of stress during their pregnancy, so for example, that could be things like domestic violence, uh, parental substance misuse, uh, it could be things like becoming homeless when you're pregnant, that can actually have an impact on the fetus as high stress situations. And we know that that cortisol at the mum experiences that real high stress hormone can actually then pass through to that fetus. And unfortunately, we, we kind of know as well from research that that high stress and high levels of cortisol aren't the best thing for developing fetus and it can impact on on that fetus in different ways in the development. Um, also something to think about when we're looking at trauma in utero um, is FASD. If people want more resources on this, there's the FASD network, which has some fantastic information on there for parents and practitioners. And that's all around exposure to substances in the womb and how that impacts on that growth and development of the fetus. And also sometimes on the birth in terms of prematurity and things like that as well. Fabulous. Lovely. So um, what can cause trauma in childhood and what impact does it have? Sophie? So I think something really important to highlight at this point is that trauma is relative to different people and everyone's experiences of lived trauma are going to be relevant and, and vary differently. And most people in their lifetime and in their childhood will experience some form of trauma, um, either complex trauma or one-off events. So for example, something traumatic like a car accident that you might experience in childhood it would be a one-off traumatic event, or you can experience multiple traumas. And when we've got young people who experience um multiple traumas what we sometimes refer to that is um, as is adverse childhood experiences or ACEs so they're potential traumatic events that occur in childhood things like abuse neglect um, and there's a, a massive ACE study done and people can read more about this if they want there's been ACE studies done in America and other cultures um, 
And what they found is that ACEs, those adverse childhood experiences, those traumatic events in childhood are common. So um, about 61% of adults, they kind of estimate from various studies, have experienced ACEs or at least one type of ACE before the age of 18. Um, but when it becomes a problem is when there's multiple ACEs. So usually uh, four or more ACEs, we would, we would class as quite a highly high ACE score, something where multiple traumas have occurred and that that childhood and that can have risk factors for later on in life so in terms of aces um they can be individual risk factors like we said that can be parental substance misuse it can be abuse it can be neglect but there's also community risk factors so things like poverty and poor access to healthcare and services all of those things can put young people at risk of adverse childhood experiences and there is short-term impact to those aces so things like um if children are experiencing adverse childhood experiences or trauma regularly we might see things like they're quite dysregulated in school um, they hit times of crisis where they're, they're having kind of what sometimes can be described as meltdowns um, poor school attendances uh, attendance issues around things like exclusion and inclusion um, myself and Kirsty will sometimes get kind of um, conversate, have conversations with school around children um, on the verge of exclusion you know we're really struggling to keep this young person in the classroom they're, they're really at crisis and dysregulated and that can be can be linked to trauma um, and there's also long-term impacts of those ACEs as well so if you're interested in this the ACE study has lots of uh, data on it it's really interesting but the stuff like risk of health issues chronic health issues mental health um, also things like if you've had quite a traumatic childhood you're at higher risk of substance misuse in adulthood and things like that so it can really affect health outcomes but there are protective factors as well so it's not all bad news with the ACE study um, it's it's really helpful I think to take that that study and look at how we can put in protective factors not only for individuals but also community-based so things that can counteract those aces is um nurture from caregivers and that doesn't necessarily have to be parental nurture that could be a teacher really nurturing and caring about a young person it could be a foster carer really nurturing a young person a social worker another professional attachment to somebody as well again does not have to be parental it could be a grandparent it could be a football coach it could be one strong attachment in that in that young person's childhood social connections can be protective factors and also support for families so things like interventions um parenting groups support networks all of those kind of things are protective factors against those adverse childhood experiences Oh, that, that's brilliant. Thanks, Sophie. So, Lisa, you mentioned that you work within our children with disabilities team. Um, how does trauma affect the, the children that you work with? Yeah, trauma and the consequences of trauma are often overlooked in people with autism. At the same time, that group of people are at an increased risk of repeatedly experiencing tra traumatic events, which leads to underdiagnosis and undertreatment of trauma-related symptoms. There's lots of study around this in the US at the minute, and they found that there's significantly higher level of exposure to neighbourhood violence, divorce, traumatic loss, poverty, mental illness and substance misuse in the family for people with ASD. The probability of reporting one or more adverse experience was higher in children with ASD compared to children without. 
children with autism are vulnerable to becoming traumatised due to social communication and emotional regulation needs. Trauma can make autism symptoms even more challenging. For example, if an individual with autism experiences trauma through bullying, they're more likely to have social anxiety and become overstimulated in social situations. This can then lead on to meltdowns, anxiety and depression in people with autism. A child's response to trauma can sometimes mirror the signs of autism spectrum disorder. What looks like typical autistic traits, such as repetitive play, difficulty communicating with others or outbursts of anger, might actually be the child's way of dealing with intrusive thoughts and feelings after trauma. If a child's behaviour can be explained by autism and there's no knowledge of a trauma having taken place, it's possible for a PTSD diagnosis to be missed. Autistic children may find it hard to communicate with others or struggle to recognise how other people are feeling. They may be sensitive to loud noises or bright lights and feel anxious in unfamiliar situations. Children with PTSD may behave similarly, but for different underlying reasons. Some typical characteristics are really easily confused for autism when it can in fact just be trauma. A lack of interest in peers. In children with autism, it's social skills which are affected, but in trauma, there can be social withdrawal. A failure to display own feelings or recognise feelings of others. In autism, this is social communication difficulties, but in trauma, there can be a reduction in positive emotions. Inflexibility around routines and a need for the sameness in autism can also display as irritability and anger in traumatised children, which will both display as outbursts or meltdowns. God, that's really interesting. You know, it, it, there's no surprise it gets misdiagnosed at all. So, Kirsty, what's been your experience of the link between trauma and adoption? Oh, thanks, Brooke. I, th I think it's so interesting because I think um, the two go hand in hand, really, in terms of trauma and adoption. I think um, it's important to sort of see adoption and adoptive families as being built on layers of loss. So I think lots of people that come to adoption have a sort of dealing with traumas of their own, whether it's around child loss or infertility, that kind of thing. So you've got adoptive parents, really, that come into the adoption triad with their own trauma and then obviously the traumatised children that are part of that as well. And I think what I've learned as an adopter really is that the outside world often view adoption as kind of a fairy tale and a happy ending for the child. Um, and often people will sort of really innocently say things like, oh, well, he won't remember what happened, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is that children come to adoption because of severe trauma, often abuse and neglect. You know, there is no such thing really these days as relinquished babies. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a tricky one. And I think what, what my kind of experience has been is that really all adoption is trauma whenever it happens. And I think like um, Sophie has already said, you know, even children removed at birth, and one of my children was removed at birth, have been through quite significant um, kind of adverse experiences in utero. Um, and I've, I've found it really interesting as an adopter sort of reading, reading information around this. Um, there's a brilliant book called The Body Keeps the Score and it kind of introduces you to the idea of whenever, um, you know, that trauma is kind of stored in the body in a kind of a physical and a psychological way for, for children, really. Another really interesting book for adopters is The Primal Wound, this idea that it's very unnatural, actually, for children to be separated from their birth mother. Um, and I, I think all of that just it, it all together 
has um, such a big impact, really. Both of my children have come into adoption via different routes. Um, one of one of them was removed actually at birth and came to us straight from hospital. And our, our son was adopted through a more traditional route, if you like, and had kind of different placements. So a short time with birth family um, and then quite a long period with a foster carer before he came to us. And I think at the time when he... Um, when he first moved in with us at 14 months, he seemed to cope with things um, really easily and seemed to fit in with our family life um, quite well. But looking back on some of that time now, I think he was quite detached in a way um, and sort of wasn't really displaying any distress around those disrupted attachments, which looking back really um, doesn't seem as it should have, if you like. Um and I think what's happened really is as he's got older, some of the things that Lisa has talked about, kind of the impact of trauma, how it sort of presents in children as they grow up, we have definitely seen signs of. So he's seven now. Um, but his his emotional development, I would say, is quite delayed. And he, he is quite prone to kind of out, outbursts of anger. He can struggle with kind of sticking to boundaries. Um, and it's that kind of testing of his safeness, I suppose. And we've really seen that emerging. We've had to do lots of work as adoptive parents with his school around understanding that his presentation really because of that early trauma isn't around you know a behavior difficulty if you like but but really to educate them on some of the things that Sophie and Lisa have said um the impact of trauma on children and how it comes you know how it comes about and I think the other thing to think about is even though our daughter was adopted from birth and you know things have been slightly different for her she's she's hasn't had to keep shifting attachments I guess in the same way what all adopters are faced with is the lifelong um, kind of journey with adoptive children you know the life story work that we all do you know the telling the story of adoption um, it is is there for all children really and I think that in itself is a traumatic thing for children to have to come to terms with and it isn't really until children get to early adulthood I guess that they begin to understand what's happened to them and understand their otherness their difference to other children yeah so I I, I just think it's a it's a lifelong journey no matter how how children came into came to adoption really um and I worry about my children in adolescence that kind of realization around why they've been adopted and the family you know the family backstory so, yeah, I think it's impossible really to talk about adoption without talking talking about trauma. Oh, Kirsty, that was really interesting. Thanks so much for sharing, you know, your personal experience of that too. Um, oh, yeah, I think it makes it really relatable, you know, what obviously Lisa and Sophie have said earlier. So, thinking about what we've uh, spoken about over this episode, um, we've looked at when trauma can start, um, and that being even before birth. ACEs, uh, so that's adverse childhood experiences. So some of the risk factors, but also some of the protective factors in, in the community. Um, how trauma can be missed or misdiagnosed and what the impact of that could be. And also what the impact could be moving forwards for, for a child or a young person into adulthood, uh, not only for the child, but also for the, the adults in their life as well. So like I said, thank you for the three of you uh, for your time. It's been so interesting. Thank you so much. You can find more discussions, podcasts and information on Darlington Extra. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Darlington Extra podcast on our Darlington Extra podcast channel. For more great content, make sure you subscribe now.